Good morning and happy Easter. Great to see so many of you here with us. I want to say hello to everybody joining us online. Thanks for participating with us through that venue as well. And man, this is exciting. Uh, My name is Jeremiah. I'm one of the pastors here. And it's awesome to have you with us. Every year we celebrate this holiday. uh, And it's such a special holiday for us. And um, we really are celebrating an event that changed history for the human race. When you think about your own life, there are uh, certain events and certain things that have happened in your life that when you go back and you think about that one day or that one event and that one situation, it, it literally changed the trajectory of your life. I have a few of these days that I look back on and I go, man, if that had never happened, my life would be so different. I remember uh, the day that I first met a girl named Cherry. We were both 16 years old, and uh, I'll never forget the day that I met her because that was the day that she fell head over heels in love with me. (laughs) I'll never forget our wedding day. Uh, On our wedding day, July 16th, 1999. We got married in the 1900s, baby. So uh, coming up on 22 years here, and uh, I'll never forget each of the days of the birth of each of our kids. Such a significant milestone in our life, and we have four kids. And I'll never forget uh, a big day was when we first had our first service as a church, Westbridge Church, and we had no idea what to expect. And we said, hey, we're doing a service. Invite your friends. We'll see how it goes. And uh, we had 47 people show up to that first meeting in a room. And uh, I look back on that, and that's just a, a season of life where I, man, that changed the trajectory of my life. Uh, I'll never forget the day they opened Chipotle and Rogers. <laughs> just these defining moments, you know? And for some, it's graduations, and for others, it's weddings. And uh, maybe if you're a sports fanatic, it's the year that your team won the Super Bowl. I've heard that's pretty cool. <laughs> And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we celebrate this day because it represents a defining moment in history, a particular event that changed everything. And unfortunately, the further that we become from that original event, the more commercialized Easter has become. And so Easter has really uh, become uh, the, it's the second most uh, high consumption candy holiday behind Halloween which is fascinating. And so you've got all of these crazy amounts of candy and you've got chocolate bunnies. And now I've seen chocolate crosses, which is a really confusing metaphor. I'm like, do I worship or do I eat it? I don't know what to do. It's so confusing. And then you've got, you know, jelly bellies and starburst jelly beans. And then you've got uh, marshmallow demons from hell called peeps. (laughs) And uh, if you've like experienced a number of Easter's after a while, you can start to tune it out. And I know as a parent, I've become very good at tuning certain things out, you know? Like now at this point, we've got four kids. Our youngest is almost seven. And so I, I'm kind of like, if I hear a kid scream or cry or something happening, I almost know which kid it is, which body part got hurt and to what degree. It's like, oh, nope, that's Liam. That's a pinky toe level three. He'll be fine. Okay, we're, we're good. And I can just tune it out. And I think if we're honest... For some of us, uh, you know, Easter, 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 and then it's another Easter, and you go, well, we start to, it kind of becomes routine, right? It kind of becomes like white noise. It's kind of easy to tune out. It's like, okay, I get it. I've heard this message before. We go to the church. We do the thing. We eat the ham, right? And yada, yada, hide the eggs, find the basket, and we end up eating egg salad for the next three weeks. And... I'm not sure what your thoughts are about Easter this morning. I don't know uh, what your history with Easter has been, uh, whether you're, uh, maybe you're like, hey, you know what? They've got free coffee and childcare for an hour. (laughs) And you just want to take advantage of that. Hey, good on you. Good call. We do offer those things every week. But 
Regardless of where you stand when it comes to Easter and uh, regardless of why you're here or where you're coming from, I want you to know we are thrilled that you're here. We are so glad that you're here. We started this church as a church for the rest of us. We started this church as a place where it would be okay to not be okay, as a place where you could genuinely explore faith in God and move at your own pace, and that we would be committed to being a group of uh, not perfect people, a group of messy and flawed individuals who would work together to help each other move forward and become everything God's created us to be. And having said that, it can be difficult when you're a pastor and it's Easter because everybody already knows what you're going to talk about. Cat's out of the bag. Who are you talking about on Easter? Like everybody knows, right? And so uh, it's funny. I have a bunch of friends who are pastors and we've been talking over the last couple of weeks, you know, trying to figure out uh, what are we going to say on Easter? And then I, I got to thinking over the last couple of weeks, what, what are we going to say on Easter? Are you kidding me? This, this writes itself, right? This isn't peripheral. This isn't like, hey, have you heard the one about? Like this is central to everything is this event that happened on this day, right? And, and the foundation of our faith is not the teachings of Jesus. The foundation of our faith isn't the miracles of Jesus. The foundation of our faith isn't some great philosophy or worldview or a set of religious beliefs that we say, yep, I believe those things, check that box. See, the foundation of our faith is a very specific event that happened in human history. Easter is the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. And so that's significant. It's the story. Easter is the story recorded by multiple eyewitnesses uh, that answers this question that I would suggest every person is probably the most important question you can answer. And Easter answers this story, who is Jesus? Because whatever you do with that question has a profound impact on every area of your life. Who is Jesus? And what we, what we, can't deny is that regardless of how you feel about Jesus or how you view Jesus or what lens you see him through, the truth is we can't deny the impact that the person of Jesus has had on human history for the last 2,000 years. All of us know about him. All of us talk about him in some way or another. You're, you're at an Easter service and there's different things that you may not even realize have been impacted even in Western culture because of Jesus. And so the reality is, it would be worth spending some time and asking this question, who is Jesus? And it wasn't Jesus' teachings that convinced his followers that he was the Son of God, that he was their Lord. It wasn't his miracles that convinced them. It wasn't a set of beliefs that convinced them. It is because of what they saw when he rose from the dead. Because here's the truth. If you read the Easter stories and you read the eyewitness accounts, nobody was expecting Jesus to rise from the dead. Nobody uh, was writing themselves into the story as like a person of great faith. And nobody was going on Friday like, I know it looks bad, guys, but just wait till Sunday. You don't see that anywhere, right? In fact, you don't see anywhere in the story, Sunday morning, somebody sitting outside the tomb going, 10, 9, 8. Oh, it's coming, guys. Here we go. <clears throat> it's not there. Because they believed that when Jesus died, the movement died with him. That was, that was their prevailing belief, is that when people die, they generally stay dead. That's how it had been working for most of their lives. And you may not realize this, but the resurrection of Jesus is one of the most detailed and described events in all of ancient history. There's more written about his death and resurrection than there is about any other historical figure during that time. And it's not even close. And so when Jesus rose from the dead, so many people who were living in the area of Jerusalem and living in the area of Judea, so many people saw him 
and, and saw him and knew where he was, knew that he was alive. And they did what you would do and they did what I would do if we had seen Jesus die and we had known where he was buried and then we had lunch with him the next day. They took the social media. I mean, they started to talk about it and they started to write about it, which is first century social media, right? And the story went viral. I mean, it, it exploded. In fact, there were so many people talking about it and writing about it that the resurrected uh, Jesus, talking about the resurrected Jesus, that unlike other religions, which oftentimes evolve over years or even decades, Christianity exploded overnight. Overnight, thousands and thousands of people began to leave whatever religion or whatever view of whatever God they served, they began to leave that behind and they began to embrace the idea that this Jesus of Nazareth had actually risen from the dead and he was their Lord. And it exploded overnight. And just to be clear, nobody was getting wealthy off of that message. Nobody was uh, becoming famous as a result of that message. Nobody was rising to celebrity status. In fact, when you read the stories, uh, you discover that every single one of John's disciples, ex or Jesus' disciples, except for John, ended up being executed because they continued to maintain this story. No, we believe Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus is our Lord. And in a Roman empire that believed that Caesar is Lord and that Caesar is a son of the gods, that doesn't really play well. And so the Roman empire would actually execute followers of Jesus and put them to death. And they'd say, we will spare your life if you just stop telling people that Jesus rose from the dead. And they said, we just can't stop saying that because we saw it. Saw. And the Roman government wanted to put an end to what they believed to be complete nonsense. It says, I've never gotten married. My life would look different. And so there's a whole field of study called alternative history that asks this question. Let's go to a specific point where there seems to be an event that drastically altered or affected in some way human history. And then they call it point diversion. From that point, let's actually say that what happened didn't happen. And let's instead sort of extrapolate and kind of push the dominoes in a different direction. And let's follow the butterfly effect and see what would have happened had this one particular event been different. How would life look? And there's this whole field of study called alternative history. In fact, there's a show called Man in the High Castle. And it's based on this premise. What if the Allies had not won World War II? What if, uh, what if the Axis powers had actually won World War II? And you have the United States and the whole West Coast is modern-day Japan and the whole East Coast is modern-day Germany. And it's fascinating to think about. Uh, you know, what if General Lee and the South had won the Civil War? How would that have changed the trajectory of the nation? Or, and here's what he says. If Christ had not been raised, then all our preaching is useless. And Jesus is a waste. It's based on a lie. It's you do it in vain. In fact, if Jesus had not risen from the dead, we could erase orphanages. Orphanages go away. In the first century, uh, women had no status. Women had no rights. And so if you had a daughter, then you, didn't, you would basically say, well, we want to have a son. Sons have status. Sons have a significant season grieving. We don't do that without hope. And can I tell you, during that season, we had a confident hope that we will see her again. But if Jesus was never raised from the dead, we can erase reunions. If Jesus never rose from the dead, then reunions go away. And I know there's some of you who... And then he continues. He says, if there's no resurrection, then let's feast and drink for tomorrow we die. 
He says, look, if Jesus had never risen from the dead, you might as well erase purpose. Purpose goes away. If there's no direction in your life, then it really doesn't matter how you parent. It really doesn't matter who you marry or how you do marriage or how you handle your finances or how you handle relationships or how you handle work ethic. At the end of the day, it really doesn't matter how you treat people you disagree with. You should just spend your life indulging all of your desires. Because if there's nothing more than this life, then you may as well just get that sin bucket and start filling it up. He's like, man, let's just feast and drink because tomorrow we die. And if purpose goes away, then you have to actually erase satisfaction. Because now, if all there is to this life is this life, if there is no resurrection, then that means no matter how much you accumulate and no matter how much you experience, you will always wonder, is this all there is? Is this all there is? Is there more to it than this? And you'll never truly be satisfied because everything in this world is temporary. And then he continues, if Jesus had not been raised, then your faith is useless and you're still guilty of your sins. This is a big one. See, Jesus entered into the sacrificial system. The Jewish people had this sacrificial system, not because God wanted it, but because they created a system where they could try to figure out where they stood with God. And so Jesus entered into that system and became the final sacrifice once and for all. He said, I just want you to know you and God are good. I want you to know that. So I'll be the final sacrifice and I'll put an end to the sacrificial system. And then he overcomes death. And that's the, the seal. That's the, that's the reminder that, man, there's no more sacrifices. You and God are good. But if you erase Easter, then you have to erase forgiveness. And if you erase Easter, then you have to erase grace. Because grace is this unmerited relationship with God. Grace says it isn't based on what you do. Grace says it's based on who God is and that he's extended that invitation to you and that the message is that God is building a family and you've been invited to be a part of it. But if there's no resurrection, then that goes away. See, if, you, if there's no resurrection, then you actually have to erase confidence because if there's no forgiveness or grace, then I don't really have confidence in where I stand with God. Now I'm filled with a lot of anxiety. I'm not sure where I stand with this God. And then you have to erase a lot of freedom because now I'm trapped by my anxiety and my insecurity and my guilt and my shame. And, and, and when you do that, you actually have to erase redemption because redemption says God takes the broken parts of my life, the broken pieces of my life, and he actually uses them and makes them useful and meaningful and beautiful. And when all is said and done, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then you erase hope. And hope goes away. And you can see that Paul says, if there's no resurrection, if Jesus never rose from the dead, life is pretty empty. If you want to play the alternative history game, think about if Jesus had never risen from the dead. Think about how that would impact you. Think about what would not exist as a result of that. But as Paul is writing this alternative history, he turns a corner and he says this, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. In fact, he says, the reason I know this is because he appeared to his disciples and he gathered them together and they all wrote their accounts about it. And then he says he appeared to more than 500 people, most of whom are still alive. He's writing in the first century to people living in ancient Corinth in the first century. And he says, listen, 
I'm not just making, this isn't like legend that was passed down from generation to generation and now we're hundreds of years later and, uh, you know, it's kind of become this big folk tale and it's kind of become this big thing like, you know, Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue, Blue Ox, you know. He goes, no, I'm telling you, he was seen by over 500 people. Most of them are still alive. They live in your area. They're your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends. Ask them about it. They saw him. And then he appeared to even more apostles. And then he appeared to James, his brother. And this is significant. Paul actually writes this because James didn't believe that his brother was the son of God. And could you blame him? Because what would it take for you to believe your brother was the son of God? Probably not going to happen, right? I don't care how many people he rose from the dead, all right? This is my brother. And then Paul makes the point and says he appeared to James. And guess what? James becomes the leader of the church in Jerusalem because, because of the fact that he saw Jesus die and then he saw him alive again. That changes everything. And so then James, the brother of Jesus, came to realize Jesus isn't just my brother. Jesus is my Lord. And then you have Paul and he says, last of all, he appeared to me. And I've seen him with my own eyes in the resurrection of Jesus. This is so important. The resurrection of Jesus is not just an event that happened 2,000 years ago. It's a picture of what God is capable of doing in our lives today. You see, Easter is the celebration of our resurrection to new life. What happened to Jesus physically in the resurrection happens to us spiritually when we say yes to the invitation to be a part of God's family. It's why we celebrate water baptism, because the, the old life dies and the new me is born to life with Jesus, resurrected to life with Jesus. The Apostle Paul writes it like this, since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. See, this building is filled with people. There are a bunch of people watching it online who are sitting in their houses and sitting in their homes. And all, there's so many people who are part of this church family who would say, at one point in my life, I was consumed with selfishness or I was consumed with jealousy or bitterness or greed or, you know, I was trapped by self-centeredness. But because of Jesus, my life is different. My life has changed. But if Jesus had never risen from the dead, then none of that life change happens. And Paul says, it's not just about the old me dying. That's just the first part. It's about the new me being resurrected. It's possible to die to a life of hostility and be resurrected to a life of peace. It's possible for us to die to a life of insecurity and be resurrected to a life of confidence. It's possible for us to die to a life dominated by fear and anxiety and be resurrected to a life filled with courage. It's possible for us to die to a life of hatred and be resurrected to a life of love. It's possible for us to die to a life of taking and be resurrected to a life of giving and generosity. It's possible for us to die to a life of bitterness and be resurrected to a life of grace, forgiveness. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, we can live and we can thrive today, right here, right now. And we have confident hope for tomorrow. So that's why we celebrate Easter. Because the resurrection of Jesus answers this question, who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus? And if you've never wrestled with that question, again, I want to humbly challenge you to spend some time respectfully answering that question. 
Because if he did rise from the dead, then he's not subject to the same laws of nature and physics that you and I are. And if he did rise from the dead, then what he taught wasn't just a great philosophy or a great worldview or like, hey, be nice to each other. It's actually a reflection of the heart of God. And if he did rise from the dead, then death is not the end. And that means that he can bring victory over the things that are bringing death to you and bringing death to me. And that means death is not the end, and you have been invited to be a part of God's family forever. And it isn't based on your behavior, anything you've done, anything you've said. It's based on who God is, and he has invited you. He's building a family, and he wants you in it. And so if you've never said yes to that invitation, I want to give you the opportunity. If you'd like to say yes to the invitation to be a part of God's family, just agree with this prayer as we pray together. God, please forgive my sins. Forgive me for the times that I've walked away from you, and I thank you that you never walked away from me. And I, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe, based on the eyewitness accounts and so many people who wrote about him and shared their stories, that Jesus rose from the dead, and I believe that he has the power to bring life to me. And so I say yes to that invitation. Make me your son, make me your daughter, and help me, as best as I know how, to follow you and your way of living. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with us, would you check that box on your connection card or click the link in the platform or Facebook and just let us know? All that does is let us know you prayed, and I want to personally follow up and answer any questions that you might have. Now, as a way to constantly remind us of the hope that we have, we're going to celebrate communion together. If you didn't get a communion on your way in, lift your hand up, and we'll have somebody uh, swing by and get one for you. But we celebrate open communion here at Westbridge Church. You don't have to be a member here to participate in this with us. But here's what this is all about. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took this bread and he passed it to his disciples and he said, this represents my body, which is gonna be broken for you. And every time that you receive this, I want you to remember that sacrifice. It's such a powerful reminder because what Jesus said to his disciples that night is, there's no greater love than someone who lays down their life for their friends. And the next day he was put to death. And Jesus didn't use his might and his power as God to overcome his enemies. Instead, he laid down his life, and with his final breath, he prayed, Father, forgive them. Who is Jesus? That's who he is. That's the God that we're dealing with. And so he said, every time that you receive this, remember that sacrifice. So as we remember the love and sacrifice of Jesus in his broken body, let's receive the bread together. In the same way he took the cup, he passed it to his disciples and said, this represents my blood which will be poured out for you. And he said, this is a new covenant between God and humanity. No longer will there be a conditional covenant with one nation that is based on them doing certain things and for a specific period of time. He says, now, because I'm entering into the sacrificial system, I'm becoming the final sacrifice, and now there is a new covenant. It is unconditional, and it is with all people for all time. And it isn't based on you behaving your way in. It's based on who God is. He's invited you. And so Jesus said, every time that you receive this, remember that sacrifice. And as we remember this new covenant with God, that God has invited us to be a part of his family, as we remember his love and sacrifice through his spilled blood, let's receive the cup together. Let me pray. God, thank you for sending Jesus into this world. Thank you that... In the ultimate expression of love, Jesus allowed himself to be put to death. And thank you that he didn't stay that way. That he overcame death 
And I pray that we would walk in the reality of the resurrection in our own lives each and every day. May we live new lives as a result. Thank you for the hope we have in you. In Jesus' name, amen.